Let me pray for us. God, we do thank you for Christ, your Son, born in Bethlehem. And it is not an insignificant message that he brings, and he himself is not an insignificant messenger. He is truly God in the flesh, come with open arms to rebellious humanity, bringing a message of reconciliation and grace and hope and love. And Lord, we pray that we would respond to that message and not shrug him off as insignificant. We pray that we would heed the words of truth that he came to bring and we would abide in them. Lord, bless us this morning as we just reflect on Christ, the Good Shepherd. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. I want you to open your Bible with me to Matthew 2. This morning we're going to talk about sheep and shepherds. More specifically, we're going to talk about Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, and why we need a shepherd. The Bible teaches us Jesus is the Good Shepherd, and He came because God has compassion on us. Seeing our lost and broken world, knowing that people are lost, they are like a sheep without a shepherd. And so Christ was born to be the great shepherd of the sheep, and we are his little lambs. We are his precious flock that he loves dearly. He cares for us. We're going to be in Matthew 2, and we're just going to look at one verse, but I want to connect it to a verse in Numbers, chapter 27, where Moses speaks a a prophetic message over God's people, the nation of Israel, more than a thousand years before Christ would be born. And he asks God in this passage to appoint over the people of Israel another shepherd. Moses says this, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. That's the words of Moses in Numbers 27, more than a thousand years before Christ was born. Now, of course, he was asking for Israel to have a leader after Moses that would eventually be Joshua. But in the birth of Christ at Christmas, we see that Moses was speaking words of prophetic importance. Indeed, God would appoint a man over the congregation of his people so that we the sheep might have a shepherd to lead us and guide us, and protect us. And I want you to see the fulfillment of Moses' prayer in Matthew chapter 2. Because Matthew quotes the Old Testament at the birth of Jesus Christ to claim that Christ is this shepherd. He doesn't quote the verse of Moses. Instead, he quotes another prophet. Matthew chapter 2 verse 6. It says, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Matthew tells those who have ears to hear that the prophetic prayer of Moses and all the longings of the hearts of the people of God through the centuries 
have finally been answered in the birth of Jesus Christ. Well, what I want to do is just spend our time together reflecting on this idea that Matthew 2.6 points to. It tells us Jesus came to be our shepherd. Obviously, we are not literally sheep. Thank God for that, right? Sheep are stinky and dirty. And obviously, Jesus is not literally a shepherd. Professionally, he would have followed in the footsteps of his father, who was a carpenter, his biological adopted father, uh, Jesus never actually tended sheep in, a past, sheep in a pasture as far as we know. So the concepts of us being sheep and Jesus being a shepherd, those are really illustrations. They're an extended metaphor about our relationship to Jesus Christ. And so I want to explore that illustration of us as sheep and then explore the illustration of Christ as shepherd. So first, in what ways are we like sheep? Well, there's this vast assumption that sheep are stupid. Supposedly, that myth goes back to George Washington, who made a quote, If freedom of speech is taken away, then dumb and silent we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. Dumb meaning silent, not stupid, but somehow that's come to create this understanding that sheep are literally unintelligent. But sheep are not stupid. Sheep are actually quite intelligent. They can recognize faces. They have long memories. They have complex social structures within the flocks. And they've even done scientific studies to show that sheep can navigate out of mazes. Who knew? So when the Bible says that the people of God are like sheep, the Bible's not suggesting that we are stupid. We shouldn't assume the Bible means that we're fools because, in fact, sheep are not stupid. That's not the point. But there are many ways in which we are like sheep. And I want to tease some of those out. First, sheep without a leader are lost. That's the point of a shepherd. Sheep eat a ton of grass. Literally, in a year, one sheep will eat one ton of grass. And so if you have 100 sheep, you need 100 tons of grass in a year in order to keep your flock fed. And without a leader, sheep wander to find green pastures to fill their bellies. And we too, I think, like sheep, if we don't have a leader to take care of our needs, to take us to the places where we need to be led in order to eat, we wander and we too end up lost. We chase the passions of our flesh. Scripture even at one point talks about people who have their bellies as their God seeking only to fulfill the passions of the flesh, we easily become lost, looking for something to fill our appetites. And without a shepherd, we're lost. Second, sheep are not self-sufficient. They don't have self-sufficiency. They need to be led to places where there's food, but not only that, they need protection from danger. They need shearing so their wool doesn't get caught in the brambles. They need their wounds to be bound up so they don't end up infected. And like sheep, we are not self-sufficient. Would you claim that about yourself? Without a good shepherd to provide for our constant needs, we are literally helpless. We may think we're self-sufficient, and that's a, an idol in America, isn't it? The idea of self-sufficiency. 
We may think we're independent, we're self-made, that we stand on our own achievements, that we've got here by our own merits. But the truth is, everything that we have is a great provision from the Good Shepherd who takes care of our needs. The house you live in, the job that you have, the clothes you wear, the money that you have saved, the breath of air that you just drew, the beating in your heart that gives you life, all of those things have come to you because God is a good shepherd. He provides for your every need. And you, like a sheep in the pasture, are not self-sufficient. You are codependent on the God who made you. Far more codependent even than you probably realize or want to admit. Third, sheep are easy prey. This illustration comes up often in Scripture. The warning against wolves that might come among the sheep. Sheep are like slow-moving lamb McNuggets for wolves that are hungry. Sheep need protection. And they need it not only from the predators outside, but even sometimes from those inside, from one another. The, the, the social structure of sheep can lead to an intense pecking order, and sometimes, therefore, sheep bite and they hurt one another. And sometimes the flock also comes under attack from ravenous wolves on the outside, and the shepherd is there to keep the sheep safe. And so, too, with us, we need protection. You probably know that there might be wolves out there, but there are also potentially wolves in here. Sometimes even it's just the other sheep that wound us. And we need a shepherd to protect us from danger. And actually, the more innocent we are, the more protection we need, don't we? Fourth, sheep scatter. Uh, while there is a social structure, and that does keep the flock of sheep together often, if sheep get scared, sheep are prone to self-preservation, like most creatures, which means every man or every sheep for himself, now that the danger has come. Isaiah says that we are like sheep. Each one of us has gone astray. We've each gone our own way. We too scatter. We run from threats and dangers. We do what seems good in our own eyes. We seek pleasures. We, can, we are concerned only for our own skin at times when things get difficult. And we're often quick to abandon the flock if we feel that a threat is rising. We give up on, an, on one another. We skip out on the flock. We think maybe if we keep looking, one day we'll find a church where there are no sinners. But it's Christ, our good shepherd, who keeps us together, who keeps us from scattering, who keeps us from falling into that every man for himself mentality. It's Christ, the good shepherd, who keeps us committed to one another, both bold to love and also humble to lay down seeking our own good for the sake of others. Sheep need a shepherd because without a shepherd, sheep don't stay together. That's the point. And finally, sheep need a shepherd because sheep are dirty. In fact, sheep are filthy, stinky, disgusting animals. You know, we live in the 21st century where farming has been pretty much sterilized, but go back a couple thousand years 
and it was a bit different situation. And it takes a lot of love from a committed shepherd to stay with these stinky, dirty, filthy animals to lead them. You know, most people wouldn't choose for themselves the job of being a shepherd. It's an inglorious job. It was typically assigned to you. And we too, like sheep, if we're honest, we're dirty, we're filthy, we're stinky creatures. We're covered in sin. We reek of immorality. We are mired in the filth of our transgression. We don't belong in polite company, let alone we don't belong at the table of the king who's invited us to share a feast at his table. And yet, for some wonderful reason, Jesus loves dirty, stinky, filthy sheep, doesn't he? Because he's the good shepherd. He delights to be among his sheep. And in some ways, the more dirty and the more disgusting the sheep is, the more compassion the good shepherd has on them. The more he lavishes his love upon them. We're dirty like sheep. We need a shepherd because nobody else would love us. If we're honest, nobody else would want to be around us. And yet, Scripture teaches us that God delights in us. But now, let's think about the ways in which Christ is the good shepherd. The ways in which Christ is the ruler sent by God to lead his people, to shepherd the people of God. Absolutely central to the Christmas story is the fact that this shepherd actually lives among his sheep. Being a shepherd, as I mentioned, it was not a fun job. You spent long seasons away from home. You traveled frequently. You were gone for long stretches of time. You stuck with the flock to lead them to fresh green pastures where they could eat their ton of grass every year to sustain themselves. You literally slept among the livestock so that if predators came, you knew they were there. And for those of us who've lived in Maricopa for even a few months, we know livestock has a pretty rank smell, doesn't it? As a shepherd, you face danger. Wild, hungry animals like wolves and bears and lions would come to steal your sheep. Thieves were common. Unless you were vigilant, they would take away your lambs. And this was a lowly job, not a respected job. You know, there's a reason why nobody thought to bring David to the ceremony when Samuel came to anoint a king. You don't want that one. He's, he's the shepherd. He's out with the sheep. Because David was the dirty shepherd boy. He lived with the animals. He wasn't kingly. Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, he writes a pretty scathing assessment of shepherds. It's interesting to look at the way history considered this position. He says, The laziest are shepherds who lead an idle life and get their subsistence without trouble from tame animals. Their flocks wandering from place to place in search of pasture, they are compelled to follow them, cultivating a sort of living farm. Now I want you to understand that nobody made Jesus become a shepherd. He was not obligated to do this. He was not commanded to do this. He was not assigned the responsibility to do this, to live among the stinky sheep. No, out of love for us, this is what Christ chose to do for himself. To come down out of glory from heaven 
living in harmony with his Father, praised by angels as King of kings, to live among us, the filthy sheep, in our pen, that sin had turned into a sort of living, moving farm. And I know we often say, as Christians, if you want to know God's love for you, look to the cross. And that is absolutely true. But if you want to know God's love for you, look to the manger, look to the incarnation, where God came down in the flesh to live among his sheep in order to be the good shepherd. Although being a shepherd is an inglorious job, Christ, the good shepherd of the flock of God born in the flesh, that is a glorious truth. Next, a good shepherd nurtures his sheep. The shepherd provides for their needs. He leads them to flowing streams of drinkable water. Everybody knows Psalm 23, right? He guides them into pastures where they will have sufficient food. When the sheep are injured, it's the shepherd who carries them. When the sheep are wounded, he binds them up. When they are born, he's present in tenderness. When they're in fear, it's his comforting voice that calms them. When danger approaches, he places himself between the sheep and the danger. He distinguishes them, one from another, even naming them. He loves his flock and knows them by sight. And somehow, although these stinky, dirty animals are prone to wander and go astray, the shepherd, with nurturing care for them, his heart is soft towards them. He loves these sheep. And the Bible teases out this idea that God is our shepherd, and we see all of these behaviors in the way that Scripture talks about this extended metaphor. In fact, a constant theme throughout the Old Testament is why when God is so nurturing and caring and tender and loving towards his people, why do they respond with such hard hearts and waywardness again and again and again? And this is Christ the shepherd. The point of that story is that God is faithful. God is nurturing. God is loving and consistent. He provides for our needs. He leads us to living water. He guides us into the green pastures where our souls might be well fed. When we are wounded, he carries us. When we are injured, he binds us up. When we were born, he was there in tender love for us. Because he made us in his image and he cares for his sheep. When we're in fear or we're anxious, it's his voice through the Holy Scriptures or the Holy Spirit that calms us. When danger approaches, it's the good shepherd who places himself squarely between us and the threat that comes against us. He knows us by name and somehow, although we too are prone to wander and go astray, God's heart towards us as the good shepherd, it's soft, it's tender, it's nurturing, it's patient and kind. And although we've done absolutely nothing to deserve it, the dirty, stinky sheep that we are, again, Christ the shepherd delights in us. He takes pride in calling us his possession. He's pleased to dwell among us. This good shepherd loves his sheep. 
But although the shepherd is tender towards his sheep, I want you to understand that the tenderness does not prevent him from sometimes subjecting his sheep to trauma for their own good. See, sheep's wool, it grows fast and it grows thick. Some type of sheep need to be sheared multiple times in a year. And their wool can get so thick, in fact, that it can actually be a danger to the sheep. It can get heavy in the rain and make them less able to run away from predators when they approach. It can get dirty and increase the chance for infection because of bacteria. It can get tangled in brambles like a snare so the sheep are caught when a predator comes. And so the shepherd routinely subjects the sheep to an experience of deep anxiety. He isolates a sheep. He immobilizes that sheep. And with a mean-looking pair of shears, he strips the sheep naked of its fleece. And it's important that we understand that as tender as Christ the shepherd is, not all of his tenderness towards us looks like gentleness. There's a distinction. Because Christ loves us and he wants to keep us from the danger of sin that might hinder us, Christ the shepherd often strips us down, makes us feel naked and vulnerable and alone. Sometimes he isolates us. Sometimes he immobilizes us. Sometimes he prunes us with those shears of things like pride. Sometimes he exposes us, leaving us feeling naked and vulnerable. Sometimes to protect us from the infection of sin deep in our souls, he wrestles us to the ground until we feel crushed and overwhelmed. And he pins us down, and for a time it hurts. But because Christ is the good shepherd, even this he means for our good. And he takes that ugly, dirty wool of sin that so easily entangles us, that so quickly becomes burdensome, and he shears it off. And he prunes away the old, ugly wool, allowing for a fresh wool to grow. And he does it for our good, sometimes pinning us down under his strong hand in order to rid us of sin. But I want you to understand Everywhere that Christ cuts us in this way, new growth eventually appears. And we look wider and we look more beautiful in his eyes. And he loves us even more. And he even takes the sin of that old wool, so filthy, and he actually knits it together into something beautiful with which he can further adorn his glory. This is Christ the shepherd, tender in his love for us, but mighty in his commitment to make us holy, to purify us. And finally, Christ the shepherd guards the sheep. You know, the biggest reason why sheep need a shepherd is because they're, they're weak and they're vulnerable. They sometimes bite one another. They establish unhealthy pecking orders. And the shepherd intercedes to remind them that he alone is at the top of the pecking order. And they belong to him. He is the only alpha male, the only wise and good guide. 
And not only is there dysfunction within the sheep that the shepherd must correct, but there's also wolves that sneak in among the sheep to wreak chaos and devour and kill. And so the good shepherd, out of love for the sheep, protects his beloved creatures by putting himself at great personal risk for the sheep that he loves so dearly. He comes between them and the predator, often often without them even realizing the seriousness of the situation. But this is another way in which Christ, the good shepherd, far outshines any mere human shepherd. Because like Jesus taught, a hired hand among the sheep, one who is merely there because he's paid to care for the sheep, when push comes to shove, when the danger threatens that man's life, he runs because his life is more precious to him than the sheep. But Christ didn't merely place himself between his sheep and the danger threatening them in order to scare that danger away. No, Christ the good shepherd actually surrendered his life to that great predator of sin and death and evil so that us, his beloved lambs, would be able to escape forever from that threat. Because Christ fed death with his own body, death now no longer has power to stomach those who belong to Christ. Because Christ was consumed We are not. And this is Christ, the good shepherd, who came as this child in Bethlehem to give his life for the sheep. This is why the Israelites at Passover slaughtered a lamb that had lived among them in their home to celebrate escape from slavery in Egypt so that they might anticipate one who would come, Christ the shepherd, who would give his life like a sacrificial lamb, making a way for us to escape the death that we deserve and the slavery to sin which endangers us. So as you count down the days to Christmas, I I pray for you, I pray that your heart is filled with joy with wonder at Christ, the good shepherd, Christ, the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Christ who came to live among us that we might know that God actually loves us. Christ who nurtures us with tenderness and affection. Christ who shears away the sin in our souls that we might be made holy. Christ who guards us from evil. This is the good shepherd, appointed by God as a man over the congregation like Moses prayed. God in the flesh, come in compassion to lead the sheep. Because it was the will of God that the sheep would have a good shepherd, faithful to bring them home. So may we trust in Christ, who is the good shepherd of our souls. Let me pray. Father, this is a beautiful illustration of your love for us. A shepherd so humble that he would live among his flock, undeserving though they may be, unbeautiful, 
And God, we thank you for Christ born in the flesh. We thank you that you appointed a man over your congregation who would lead your flock home. We thank you for your mercy in tenderly caring for us, nurturing us. And we thank you for your mercy in shearing away the sin that encumbers us. And God, I pray that you would simply grow our trust and our love for you. That as we look at Christ, this child born for our salvation, that we would be moved to awe and wonder. We bless you for the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Amen.